Alright, so today we're going to continue the reading of Book 3, um, which I wrote or compiled after 2010, selected essays from 2001-2010. So, some of these are, uh, what, 18 years old, 17 years old, almost 20 years old. And last time we finished the second section, Human Society and Global Shift, uh, reading through the post-911 essays, as somebody mentioned in an email recently, uh, they seem quite pertinent or relevant to what's going on today, uh, still, in the sense of um, doing our best in a difficult environment, uh, globally, socially, <clears throat> energetically, uh, in terms of the collective consciousness of humanity, lots of conflict, lots of um, dismay, lots of uh, suffering, and lots of deception, and some real concerns about the future. And so the last chapter I went through was World Service in Crisis, or Love in the Bomb Shelter, and that then laid, led to chapter four, which I didn't read and, uh, because there's a, another talk on it, uh, Human Crisis and Divine Plan, and I put a PDF last time for that in the last part, the last reading. Today we're going to go to section three, which is called Self-Healing, Freedom, and Enlightenment, and sections three and four to me are um, much uh, more centered in terms of the principles of personal transformation, principles of mind-body-spirit evolution, beginning with um, self-healing, self-understanding, emotional well-being, or moving out of emotional distress, uh, and understanding um, matters such as life purpose, and karmic flow, and higher self-life design, um, and some of the <coughs> uh, advanced considerations regarding fourth and fifth chakras, which we'll see in the final chap the final section that I'll read, which is section four, not you know, in a few weeks, truth, mind and karma. So so be today we're gonna begin section three, self healing, freedom and enlightenment, and I'll read through a few chapters and take it as far as we, we can go in the hour. So the first was chapter first chapter of third section looking again at life purpose <clears throat> so let me let me read this and it's just a page and then um, we'll move on looking again at life purpose in the last few weeks I've thought more about life purpose it seems some people around me are running around seeking what to do how to best serve humanity what projects to form what events to produce but now I wonder, is that kind of work really needed? Tonight, reading an essay I wrote in 2004, which was the last chapter, Human Crisis and Divine Plan, I found the following paragraph. And so, it is essential we grow settled in our own life purpose and the fulfillment of our intentions in taking birth in this world. For myself, I realize that verbal and written teaching is but one element of, quote, what I'm here to do, and that the quality of my presence, meaning vibratory energy or radiatory being, 
is far more important than the thought forms I produce by speaking and writing. For you too, it's crucial to come into alignment with just why it is that you awaken here in human body every morning. And so this point of um, why are we waking up in the morning here <laughs> is the heart of life purpose, meaning um, it's for the fulfillment of life purpose that we are waking up here in human body in this world every morning or whenever you wake up. And of course, life purpose is not just one thing, and that's that's the subtlety in this uh, in this line of uh, self understanding and this type of uh, self inquiry, aham vichara, aham vichar. This really a sense of um, the multiple levels of life purpose. So I go on. So I wonder what's really necessary to serve Earth at this point in time. Of course, each of us should do what our heart knows is best, and large spiritual events do awaken thousands of people around the world by real heart community supporting us all. Uh, of course, it's good work. But what I mean is different. Perhaps what I really mean is this. Nothing more than peaceful being, open heart and clear mind, sitting alone or in a crowd, active or silent, just this is sufficient world service. Awakened mind, appreciating infinite creation, trusting divine law, knowing a bigger view, just this is sufficient world service. When we're ready to accept our innate perfection just a little bit more, then we'll see physical action is unnecessary to world service. And although big events and works help many, free radiation of what we are deeply knowing and trusting your allness is enough. At the very start of their contact, Don Elkins asked if Ra had a specific purpose, and they answered simply. This is from session one. Ra said, quote, We are those who are of the law of one. In our vibration, the polarities are harmonized, the complexities are simplified, the paradoxes have a solution. We are one. That is our nature and our purpose. And so, unity is their nature, and being as such is their purpose, as it may be for us too. And so, <clears throat> the essential fulfillment of life purpose is realization and embodiment and manifestation of one's true nature. So, live your true nature equals fulfilling life purpose. Now, it's not <laughs> done by thought only, or it's not done by thought. That idea, <laughs> that realization of our true nature equals, uh, you know, supreme world service, um, doesn't reject speech and action, doesn't demand it either, and is distinct or, or is really only achieved increasingly, uh, partially, little by little. It's not like okay, I'm well with my true nature, I am one, I am the one infinite creator, I know that. Well, you may intellectually know it, but the seven chakra condition is not perfected yet. <laughs> and that's where we get back to morality and meditation, shila samadhi prajna, so shila morality or uh, restraint <laughs> to avoid wrong speech, wrong action, particularly um, understanding of right speech, right action, understanding of harmlessness, uh, 
and particularly understanding of our wounding and getting out of our, our stuff, you know, uh, moving through personal conflict, um, developing discernment, uh, developing a real uh, commitment to honesty and self-understanding. Really, really, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, and I'm the other thing, all those things I don't like. Um, that's not all I am, but I can be that way too, or what any uh, distortions I see around me, um, the ones that I probably hate and get triggered by are those that I haven't uh, healed yet within, within me. And so even though self is um, profoundly misunderstood, <laughs> the notion of a separative, you know, solid abiding uh, selfhood is mistaken, right? Um, higher level understanding of unity, right? Unity um, disallows a separative identity. There is no separative identity in unity. Unity means all is one and that one is the one self, or any identity is the presence of the one. The one, the presence of the one is the sentience of the one life that we are. And so, uh, there's no separative selfhood there, but, yeah, sure, uh, your seven chakra process and mine are not the same. Your mind-body-spirit process and mine are not the same. Um, so, um, sufficient world service that may be radiatory or certainly doesn't depend on speech and action, doesn't depend on gathering large groups together, um, is not really completed by simply thinking it. <laughs> it's it's uh, progressive. I mean, that's why there's an idea of a path. It's not like you read something or you think something and uh, the seven chakra work is completed. Obviously not. So, <clears throat> it's good to know and trust one's allness, but we have to be honest and say that I don't know my allness. I don't truly know what I am. <laughs> I know only a little bit of what I am. And that's the case for all of us, actually, if we'd be honest. And there are a lot of people today jumping to conclusions. Um, you know, it's a very common 3D repeater way, but a human wanderers fall into it too. Think a little, then stop which really means come to some conclusion and then uh, presume that I've reached the terminus of understanding, the end. I understand it. My conclusions are final. Well, that's a fool. That's the way a fool proceeds. The, the fool is the one who, you know, wrongly considers him himself wise, and the wise one is the one who profoundly understands how little they understand, how understands how little they know and understands how even knowing itself is um, quite suspect. Even knowing, you know, based on thought, is profoundly limited and incomplete. Anybody who's really wise will never say, I'm wise. <laughs> They'll just say, I want to be honest, actually, it seems to me. So, okay, jumping on, next chapter, page 71, Distortion and Perfection. For most of us, <clears throat> our purpose on earth is quite simple, learning and spiritual growth. Of course, the hard part is figuring out exactly what that means and knowing how to do it day by day. Just what are we here to learn and how do we achieve so-called spiritual growth? 
a thousand sources may tell us the same thing. We all know it intellectually, but that's not quite enough. For most of us, there's no doubt about the value of love and kindness, meditation and focused spiritual practice, self-healing and self-understanding. We've probably all heard these things many times before, but knowing it in the mind and living it in our total mind-body-spirit system are two different things. As the old saying goes, easy to hear, hard to do. For many of us good-hearted souls, it's easy to see our own shortcomings. It's often said that one that on the spiritual path, quote, first we blame others, then we blame ourselves, till at last we blame no one. Likewise, it's often true that, quote, first we seek outwards, then we seek inwards, till at last we realize no seeking is needed. Actually, these quotes come from, from myself, not anybody I've read. It is the middle stage that's usually the toughest, looking inwards, finding a wealth of inner woes, and getting fixed in the position of, quote, ceaseless spiritual seeker. In the Buddhist tradition, it's an old maxim, or saying, that seeking enlightenment, you'll never find it. When asked by a monk, what is the Buddha? which is basically a term for perfected awareness or perfected being. One of my favorite ancient Chan or Zen teachers, Yunmen, replied, A stick for wiping shit. Oh, how rude. Would the Ashtar command talk this way? What do the Palladians have to say about this? Sometimes those Buddhists are a lot coarser than our E.T. teachers. And there is a little um, irony in there. Um... Ashtar command doesn't talk this way. I wonder why. The point here <laughs> is not that it's good to be coarse, meaning cursing, although being delicate is no mark of enlightenment either, actually. My real point is simply this. By seeking outside ourselves, we miss the perfection of our natural self-awareness, which is always and ever available. Be here now, from Ram Das, means, first and foremost, be here, not do here. <clears throat> ever seeking, ever finding our faults and feeling regret, ever working upon our obvious and not to be denied distortions, acting this way, the realization of simple being is impossible. By the way, <clears throat> as I finished writing this, a little bird landed on my outside windowsill and started pecking intently on the glass. Perhaps he wants to get my attention. After pecking intensely for 30 seconds, he flew away, only to return a minute later and resume his pecking on my window. Maybe he thinks I'm his mother, or maybe he has something to tell me. After going away again, he returned a third time. In 11 years of living in my San Francisco apartment, it never happened before. Perhaps he's a messenger from my spiritual family. So this happened around the year 2000, I guess, 11 years in. Anyway... Back to our serious discussion. <clears throat> There's a beautiful quote from Ra in Session 57 of The Law of One, Volume 3, that treats this very same issue. The relationship between our need for self-work and the latent purity of our true nature, which is really true nature. It's not a possession like our, my true nature. Don Elkins, the questioner, asked Ra how to free ourselves from time and space challenges and how the spiritual path proceeds through all the dimensions. In their answer, 
<clears throat> Ross speaks of what they consider essential for spiritual seekers and why we really shouldn't worry about the mechanics of time and space. Ross states, this is from session 57, uh, page 51 on the original book, <laughs> long, long ago, quote, In the experiences of the mystical search for unity, these, and I'll just read through my bracketing, these time-space conditions need never be considered, for they are part, but part of an illusory system. The seeker seeks the one. The one is to be sought, as we have said, by the balanced and self-accepting aware the balanced and self-accepting self-aware, both of its apparent distortions and its total perfection. Resting in this balanced awareness, the entity then opens the self to the universe which it is. The light energy of all things may then be attracted by this intense seeking, and wherever the inner seeking meets, meets the attracted cosmic prana, realization of the one takes place. The purpose of clearing each energy center is to allow that meeting place to occur at the indigo ray vibration, which is six chakra, forehead or third eye, thus making contact with intelligent infinity and dissolving all illusions. Service to others is automatic at the released energy generated by this, by this state of consciousness or by six chakra uh, meeting place or activation. So, <clears throat> the mystical search for unity, where is it, where is it? Uh, the complex metaphysics of the cosmological structure of time, space, space-time is not critical for, for study, like um, dimensional analyses, right? The, the 49 planes, seven rays, seven dimensions, or is it 31 from Buddhism, Triloka, <clears throat> Hinduism has their own system. Um, too much of that is really not helpful because the work is not just intellectual learning of a cosmos but <laughs> transformation of the seven seven rays so the one is to be sought seeking the one means seeking to clear all obstructions away from uh, an unblemished uh, awareness uh, a complete and perfect awareness of unity <clears throat> or reality beyond duality beyond believing in thought uh, freedom real moksha and <clears throat> the way to that you know proceeds through lower triad blockage clearance clearing lower chakras blockages which really means psychological self-healing <clears throat> emotional well-being moving to emotional well-being and deep honesty with oneself and admitting I'm screwed up here, there, and everywhere. Not everywhere, really, but here, there, and the other place. I'm not well here, and I'm not well there. I don't... I have deep self-doubt. I <laughs> somehow don't like myself. I regret some decisions I made in the past. I'm fantasy-prone. Um, I imagine, like to imagine certain things that make me feel good about myself or give me some hope for the future even if I actually have a sense they may not be true. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm not honest about this and that sometimes. I feel shame about this and that. So on, so on, so on. All this. Whatever is painful to behold about ourselves is probably, is often, most much of what's painful is useful to consider 
to accept the balance and self-accepting, self-aware of one's own apparent distortions, which are multitudinous and yet also concurrent, um, ever-existing total perfection. So that's the relative and the absolute, knowing um, what we are and the dysfunctions of how we do, <clears throat> how we live. <clears throat> you may live in the world. <clears throat> this kind of talk is good for uh, getting my phlegm out. Uh, being really honest <laughs> about our distortions, and um, particularly what's shameful and regretful, regrettable, where we feel shame and guilt, where we. If everything that we call so-called negative emotion. There are no negative emotions, by the way. There are thus emotions and mental states that we don't like. That's not negative. It's certainly not surface of self, necessarily. <clears throat> They're just distortions. Um, one is aware of, one is increasingly aware of that, as well as one's true nature. Resting in the balanced awareness, meaning, yes, I'm aware of my distortions, and yes, I'm also um, aware of true nature to some degree. <clears throat> uh, I open to the all which I am, opens the self to the universe which it is. I think there's probably, <laughs> of uh, 50,000 people reading the raw material, I wonder if there's even a dozen who realize how important that statement is, opening the self to the universe which it is, not which you are, which it we are not, um, you know, our being is transpersonal. And so personalism has to fall at some point, too, <clears throat> in a balanced way. And so then, uh, n inevitably, or as we go on with the path, there is uh, interplay between the apparent inner and outer. And so the light energy of all things, <clears throat> which really is uh, the apparent environment, um, brings us catalyst, brings us phenomena. Um, we we attract, we repel, we magnetize, we energetically affect <clears throat> the field around us um, in all ways, in many ways, um, whether we're seeking or not, but as we're seeking, um, opportunities come. Um, but there's also this meeting place on the Sushumna, the central channel from root to crown, first to seventh chakra, where one is basically, one's basic level of consciousness is. And Ra talked about the importance of moving it upward. And that doesn't mean rejecting the lower, it means rejecting distortion, <laughs> rejecting imbalance, rejecting harm, that which is harmful uh, to self and other, rejecting the unhelpful. And <clears throat> you know, developing love wisdom for that whole path lets us um, live increasingly from a blended 4, 5, 6 or love wisdom and um, unity, will, awareness, position of 6 chakra. Increasingly love, wisdom, balanced 6 chakra being. That That's um, a goal. <laughs> Going on, <clears throat> page 72. As seekers working for spiritual growth and development, we are involved in the, quote, mystical search for unity, whether we know it or not. I usually don't think of myself in these terms, and you probably don't too. But if you take a close look at what you really want, 
I think you'll find that your greatest moments of joy involved an experience of oneness, whether alone or with a partner, or a group, or nature. Seeking this joy and wholeness is no different from seeking complete and perfect enlightenment. Perfect love, wisdom, balance, power, knowledge, and skill in action. Although these virtues are all familiar to us, the total experience of union with all transcends mind and is definitely in the realm of the mystic. But the real gem here is raw suggestion of practice, a two-part process for continued spiritual growth. <clears throat> the first part involves awareness, and the second part involves action, although it might better be termed, quote, non-action action. In the first stage of generating clear awareness, now we sound like a Tibetan here, in the first stage of generating clear awareness, the generation phase, we simply become aware of what is, which is the basic polarity of human nature, far more essential than our yin-yang or male-female polarity. We first recognize the material, physical, 3D pole we're all familiar with, which is our obvious, quote, apparent distortions. After this, we become aware of our true nature. Why does Ra call our distortions apparent? Simply because they're not really real. They are merely apparent. Of course, they exist to our normal consciousness, but that consciousness itself is not eternal. And it's also quite limited. And <laughs> uh, confused. It is a phenomenal display, a trick of the senses, a vivid dream born of limited perception. More precisely, we are involved in so-called distortion because we are unaware of our total self. As awareness grows, we see beyond this appearance, and at last realize that what appeared to be real and solid is transparent. That's sunya, or emptiness. It is not enough to say that our distortions have a limited lifespan, which is true. More precisely, we must say that our current assessment of our problems is itself a distortion, a radical misunderstanding of our total self-nature. Right? If you only consider yourself um, on the basis of distortion, you're neglecting all that you are that is not distorted, which is the totality of creation that is the one self, or the self, the greater transpersonal identity, um, is actually a greater portion of our identity than that which is personal. Believe it or not, um, uh, everything that is destructible um, is not the essential self, or everything that changes and comes and goes. All the conditional is not the true self, but the true self is not a separate being. The true self is, is basically boundless awareness, boundless presence. And again, all those, this is, you know, Advaita Vedanta talks about this all the time. It's, it's true. But just repeating it over and over and trying to kind of massage or tickle the mind into that kind of condition doesn't make it so, doesn't make realization. But indeed, we have a radical misunderstanding of self and our true self-nature, uh, it seems clear to me. Going on, this awareness of apparent personal problems is only the first stage, but it isn't so easy to identify them, meaning to identify our problems. To truly admit our distortions, albeit illusory, involves honest exposing 
and acknowledging our so-called faults, blockages, imbalances, negative habits, and confusions, as well as the famous Buddhist triad of greed, aggression, and dullness or ignorance, right? the three poisons. Just admitting all that may already wipe us out, but we need not stop there. After that, we need to see the big picture. I mean, it's not just about thinking about these things, but truly uh, understand and accept our distortions and faults, blockages, imbalances, negative habits, confusions, greed, aggression, dullness, stupidity occasionally, <clears throat> bad decisions, hurt to self, harm to self and other, you know, fears, indulgences, phantasms, and, um, you know, fantasy is not the problem. It's lying to oneself. <laughs> That's the problem. So I don't, I'm not against fantasy. I'm, I just think that self-deception is very harmful, and self-deception is rife throughout humanity, if you hadn't noticed, you know. Humanity, uh, one of the reasons 3D repeaters keep repeating is that they're profoundly self-deceiving or self-dishonest. And they may not be, they may be decent folks, but they don't want to go there, they don't want to think that, they don't want to look at it, they don't want to think further or contemplate more deeply. That's dishonesty. It's not immoral, um, not, not in service to self, but it's, um, it stagnates evolution. So, admitting all that may already wipe us out, but we need not stop there. After that, we need to see the big picture, or increasingly sense it, which Ra deems, quote, our total perfection. This is not an apparent total perfection. It is not a supposed or hoped-for perfection, nor a fanciful hope or expectation that at some point in the future, when all our distortions have been purified, if ever such could be done, then, then, we will then at last become perfect. No, it is an honest acknowledgement of our total perfection right here and now, with no further effort needed. No further, no further seeking, striving, discipline, or practice needed. This is also a radical step, knowing to the core that we are a human expression of infinity, no less. Yes, this knowing is just the start. And so, <laughs> these are two radical um, achievements of knowing, knowing or admitting uh, or seeking to, because we can't really just... You see, you can't really do what you want um, by a snap of the of the fingers, but you can seek to do what you want, and seek and you'll find. And so, the more we seek, the more we find. The more whatever we want, we can't just get it all by uh, you know in one step by saying, "Okay, I want it all." Now I get it all. No, we can seek to achieve. We can seek to know. Uh, more fully the range of our blockages and distortions and uh, true perfection, true nature. After that comes the hard part, opening up to the universe that we are, from Ra's quote. Again, Ra doesn't mince words and doesn't give us some heaven-to-be hopefulness. <laughs> heaven-to-be hopefulness. We are the universe. We are boundless. We are the one and we simply need to open to it fully. Of course, that probably requires many years of meditation. At least how that, that's how it seems to me after 20 years of meditation. So this was around 2000. 
<clears throat> actually one needs many lifetimes of practice and study and um, catalyst and working. Many, many. <laughs> and to be sure, if we could do it easily, then we'd all be fully enlightened right away. Since we're not, it's a good bet we haven't yet opened to the universe, or not so much, the universe, which is our true self-nature, but at least we should know who we really are, even if we haven't fully accomplished the revelation of, of true nature. Anyway, the final part of Ra's statement is a simple description of what happens next, and the value of concerted spiritual practice, which opens the sixth chakra at the forehead. As we open to the cosmos, the universal light power, which is called prana in Sanskrit, chi Chinese, ki in Japanese, elan vital to those elegant French folks, that universal light power enters more fully, enters us or circulates through the seven ray and the, the nadi system, then proceeds along the chakras until it stops <clears throat> or hits a certain kind of blockage. This is no different from the flow of kundalini, kundalini energy up the etheric centers or chakras up the spine, the channel called sushumna in Sanskrit. As an aside, but not to be overlooked, Ra describes this practice of dual awareness of our human nature, knowing both the apparent and the essential, followed by wholehearted self-opening, to be a form of intense seeking, although it doesn't seem particularly intense at all to me. I guess, to their perspective, the self-awareness and balance needed to know both or be aware of and seek to know both our time-bound confusion and our timeless perfection with a calm mind is no small feat. This is itself a lovely statement that moves to the heart of what spiritual seeking is all about, total and thorough self-appreciation, which includes appreciating um, our, our wounding and wretchedness and distortions and selfishness. For sure. It doesn't mean keeping them running, <laughs> but certainly admitting and acknowledging. Anyway, to Ra, the value of six chakra activation is the fact that only when universal light energy reaches this point, which indicates lower chakra clearance and non-blockage in chakras or centers one through five, from the base of the spine up to the head, only then can we really render true and complete service. In their own precise way, they tell us that perfected service to others is automatic at this point, in consonance or agreement with the, quote, released energy generated by this state of consciousness, or by this. Awareness of perfection, both the perfection of self and that of the whole, generates a tangible energy radiance that serves the whole of creation. How lovely. In my opinion, this seems to be the only form of service that is wholly non-distorted, since there's no longer any notion of self, service, better or worse, or a need to do anything. This awareness of oneness is the greatest offering we can make, and it's no less than the offering of creator to creator, or self-conscious creator to creator, whether the other is self-conscious or not. <clears throat> so, in offering this update to you, <laughs> This was written as a newsletter item, maybe. So, in offering this update to you, yet another face of infinity, I hope you understand what I'm talking about. But, even if you don't, <clears throat> it's helpful for us to consider that what we think to be real 
is simply the product of our current awareness. And as awareness grows, we are see ourselves in a whole new light. And as we see ourselves more fully, what used to be judged distortion is seen to be something quite different. And along the way, we find that we're really we're not really so distorted after all. It is my hope <clears throat> that you can know yourself <clears throat> to be the true total perfection that you are and take a break from the self-improvement project. I think you'll find all your, I think you'll find yourself a whole lot happier in doing so as the old Greek saying goes, know thyself, the Delphic or oracle, the Delphic adage. But it's um, the material distorted and the spiritual essential. Not to get into um, spiritual inflation, nor self-degradation, nor, you know, neither underestimating nor overestimating, but properly estimating or properly sensing uh, and and essentially, you know, knowing in a very subtle way, because it's a subtle knowing to know, you know, the seven-dimensional being, um, neither uh, arrogant nor um, self-depreciating. P.S. My little bird friend returned the next morning to my windowsill and began his intent pecking on the same window pane. Perhaps this time he simply wanted to wake me up. But I'm glad to have friends in high places, and maybe it's a message from the universe. Wake up, please. That's a message we can all use. <clears throat> so, that's nice. Uh, I will read one more chapter, and... Uh, or maybe, maybe not. Maybe that'll be just all, because the next two are related. One reason why we suffer and love pain cure. <clears throat> yeah, let me read the next two next time. And um, just very common, very, very briefly to comment. Um, honesty, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> is critical. And <clears throat> the, the, the spiritual path in many ways is led by wisdom more than love it seems to me. Not excluding love, but um, love based in wise understanding of its value, of its nature. <clears throat> you know, why is love important? <laughs> Other, well, theoretically, obviously, it's the center or the essential pr principle on the positive path, and we're not uh, world... Uh, world-dominating uh, tyrants in training, I think. If there are any agents still listening, they might be. But I think they might be a little unsure of themselves at this point. So, uh, love is not simply the essential basis of the positive path, um, not simply the basis of good karmic return, right? The more you give, the more you get. The more you share love in kindness, harmlessness, the more life brings you support and opportunity and um, beneficent, benevolent influence, obviously. But um, it's a wisdom-based understanding, or wisdom is necessary to truly anchor love. And the, <clears throat> the potency of love, or, or one's, uh, aware, one's the level of green ray activation, 
doesn't only depend on clearance of the lower triad, but also depends very much on the on the work of five six, both, right? The the heart of the the, the condition of the bullseye, um, or the center of the seven spherical chakra, the spherical system of the seven chakras, right? The mind body spirit sphere, multi-dimensional spherical being energy fields, in which one seven is the surface and going towards the core we have two six and five three the center of the sphere is heart chakra green ray right the nature of light is love the basis of cosmology is the second principle law of love likewise the center of the spherical seven-dimensional energy field we call self or mind body spirit or seven-dimensional self the center can be seen as green ray Okay, but um, that development depends. There's there's the primary and the secondary development of green ray. The primary development of green ray is clearance of lower triad blockage. The secondary development of green ray is balanced activation of five, six, five and six, um, blue and indigo, with you know as contact with intelligent infinity as needed that that's a whole other thing you know one doesn't have to have uh, full contact with intelligent infinity to be in mid in late six density late six density or atman in 6.6 if that's where atman is 6.6 uh, doesn't depend on seventh chakra um, and it hasn't perfected the contact with intelligent infinity but the great work of um, living in one, living at one, <laughs> living as one, or knowing one, and living as the reality of that one, um, certainly depends on uh, love, wisdom, balance up the path. But um, the higher working of love, the secondary development of Green Ray, I, it seems to me is very much dependent particularly on blue on blue indigo and the the, the one the, the being of greatest love is the one is the being of greater greater wisdom and so the wisdom of knowing um, our lower and higher or our material apparent distortions and our spiritual essential perfection which at that point is no longer an hour or a personal possession Knowing um, the dual, the apparently dual nature, <laughs> the apparently uh, ontological, the apparent ontological polarity. <laughs> it's fake too, baby. It's fake. It's not a two, it's a one. But from our perspective, where we are, we look up or we look down, that those are your two choices. Unfortunately, the eye has not fused into space. When the eye becomes space, when... <laughs> when the eye sees from unfettered uh, non-local non-local space, then there's no more up and down. The eye of unity um, doesn't look up or down. There is no up or down in awareness of unity. Um, space has eyes, and there is no separative object um, with the dimensional potential of an up and a down or locational distinction. Locational differentiation is gone. 
and there is no uh, separative point of awareness. But before that time, there is the apparent um, polarity, the, the apparent ontological polarity. The ontological polarity is spirit matter, uh, higher, lower. Um, four, five, six, seven versus one, two, three. Or four, five, six, or, or five, six, seven versus one, two, three, right? Uh, the green ray center, um, apparently below, apparently atop the apparently lower, lower triad, one, two, three, apparently below or bridging to the apparently higher uh, five, six, seven, um, is the gateway out of duality. <laughs> and another aspect of honesty and the higher working of Green Ray um, is uh, increasingly increasing awareness of transpersonal nature, which is true nature, but it isn't your nature. And personalism has to go. And people who are stuck in, um, I'm a spiritual seeker, or I'm working on my distortions, or I've got to keep practicing. Everything's practice, practice, you know, you got to practice. Now I'm eating while I'm practicing. I'm practicing while I'm eating. And I'm doing mindfulness now. This is where um, um, my friend, um, my tripa, my tripada, um, was was coming from teaching Amanasikara, was that um, reifying mindfulness is a problem. <laughs> to to establish uh, a, a sense of selfhood by um, an attached, a, a sort of distorted way of practicing mindfulness is problematic. Like, I'm a spiritual seeker, I need to keep observing. A Gurdjieff distortion uh, type uh, I've got to keep observing the mind. I keep observing, keep observing. I'm looking at the mind. I'm going to watch the mind. Uh, no. <laughs> if you keep watching the mind, you'll just see endless uh, circus wheel spinning. Uh, you can see the mind when the mind arises, but there's a reality beyond the mind, you know. And so, meanwhile, <laughs> um, we do experience, we, we do, we are sort of in, in the middle we are in in the experience of um, identity duality, a higher and a lower. Uh, there's me and my apparent distortions and me and my total perfection. Neither actually is a me, um, yet each, each person's, each expression of that is unique. So it's sort of transpersonal uniqueness, uniqueness without uh, personalism. But there is differentiation. Um, it's certainly critical to realize um, these this apparent duality of our true nature or our total nature being essential versus apparent or spiritual versus only material um, to develop green ray. <laughs> That's the, 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 the lock there, is that um, the greater love, the greater activation of love um, which means self-love and capacity to really care about others or do service um, very much does require um, a, appreciation of, of what we are low and high material 
and spiritual, distorted and essential. Perfect is sort of a counterpoint to imperfect. And since imperfect isn't real, neither is perfect. That's a Buddhist understanding. That's, that's, that's what Nagarjuna came in to do, is to cut out the supposed reality of duality, intellectually or philosophically. So there really essentially isn't an imperfect, and so there isn't a perfect. Um, but there certainly is a, an apparently shallow and an apparently deep, or a limited and what we suppose to be an unlimited. But uh, getting stuck in self-blame or finding one's distortions, as well as getting stuck in some grandiosity of uh, I am God, I am the one, uh, both of these are uh, childish and immature and un unfortunate and unhelpful. And, um, you know, I don't <laughs> recommend them either. So, the one is to be sought by the balanced and self-accepting self-aware, both of apparent distortions and total perfection. And resting in the balanced awareness or sensing both or sensing this uh, composite, the composite, the complex, right? My body spirit complex that we are, or that we currently experience, one opens to the universe, which it is. And that's enough. And then, you know, green ray and indigo will be well activated. So, that's all we'll say for today, or I will say. Next time, we're going to go to page 75, One Reason Why We Suffer and then love, pain, cure, and um, probably um, the final chapter, or maybe final, from inner seed to outer flower. We'll see how far we get. But anyway, thank you for being here today. Um, I enjoy this reading myself, actually, because it's sort of like resonating with my mind from 15 or 20 years ago, um, which is nice. <laughs> So to update the uh, mental uh, patterns or update the um, mind sky uh, as it was 15 and 20 years 20 years ago really um, updating the mind sky and um, I wish you well please take good care of yourselves see you next time and good night. <laughs>